Happy New Year. It's good to be here, and I can't believe uh, time goes fast, right? Isn't that what everybody says? And it's true. And I definitely think that uh, the older we get, the faster it goes. <laughs> and and every you know, I've been hearing that since I was young. Obviously, I think we've all all heard it. But uh, it does seem like we live a life that gets momentum going. You know, and there's there's momentum happening all around us, whether we like it or not. <laughs> And um, unless we pause and uh, set course, you know, set a direction, look ahead at where we're going, it's pretty easy for the momentum just to take us where it will, right? Um, And I think the new year is a good time to be able to pause and be able to ponder on the direction uh, that we should be going. Um, And today I want to just share a little bit, uh, give a quick update on what's been going on in El Salvador over the past year. And I think, you know, so many of the things that we've seen happen in El Salvador over these past now almost 10 years since we went there, um, because we went in 2002. This year will be 10 years since the first time we went there. Um, And seeing it start from, you know, an organization, there was about seven or eight of us, uh, two or three of us as missionary volunteers and a couple Salvadoran staff, to now that picture was just in December um, at our pastor's retreat. Um, well, actually, that's from last year. We have, that's okay. That's just the desktop picture. It wasn't even like it was part of the slideshow, but that's what I have on my desktop um, is the picture of our pastors and church leaders. But uh, we now have over 40 staff, um, and um, we are working with 52 churches um, throughout the country. This year they did 70 different projects so that represents, you know, 70 different water systems and health clinics and all these different things. And there's momentum happening that God has just been, God's behind it, you know. Um, but there's, there's some elements that I feel like that have, have happened, um, the ways that we've been able to respond to what God has wanted to do has been a lot of what has helped make this happen. Um, and what the three areas that I wanted to talk to you about today would be recognizing, um, reconciling, and reaching. Recognizing is the concept of recognizing that God is in control. Um, and, and in Lasse, that's been an extremely important component for us to always recognize that God is the one who is, who is in control and God's the one who's doing it. Um, we're all about reconciling relationships. We have to be about the ministry of, of reconciling, of restoring relationships, that that has to be at the center of everything that we do, and then setting goals and reaching for those goals, praying and having God uh, clarify where we, where we should go and reach for those goals. And that works for a ministry and organization. It also works in our personal lives. Um, I don't know how many of you have made New Year's resolutions. Anybody has a re- resolution? Anyone? You don't have, I, won't, I won't make you say it, what it is. But there's resolutions, right? And it's a good time to have resolutions. Um, it's good to have resolutions. And actually, if you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, we're going to read um, from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. This is a great chapter. Um, I'd love to be able to go over all of it. And dive in, but we need to get to the nitty gritty details too of different things. But Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, we'll first read from uh, verses one through five, and then skip down to verse sixteen through twenty-one. 
Oh man, and I got a King James version. Is this King James? That's good. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's good. Chapter five. One through one through five and then sixteen through twenty one. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, for not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the self same, for the self same thing is God, who also hath given unto this the earnest of spirit. And then on sixteen through twenty one, wherefore henceforth now. <laughs> I'm so I have a hard time with King James. I'm sorry. <laughs> Somebody else read uh, 16 through 21 for us in the NIV. Yeah, actually, and that's why I was looking for mine. That's what I've been studying off of my phone the whole time, off of the New American Standard NIV. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah. And it's yeah, and it's 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 kind of a um, it's one of those chapters of the Bible that doesn't pop out at you even in NIV or in the Message even right off the bat, let alone in uh, King James version. And I would really <laughs> now I would encourage you though to study this this uh, chapter this week and read it over a few times. Second Corinthians uh, chapter five. It's got just a wealth of knowledge in there. And the and the uh, verses one through six. There's this talk about groaning or desiring or having this burden for for something that is to come for heaven that is to come right and and it it it, it gets at this notion that it's good it's it's good for us to desire something more than we have it's a god-given natural um god-placed uh thing for us to have desires to want to have resolutions every year to improve to get closer to God but here it talks about longing for heaven like having your eyes set on heaven um, and it made me think of uh, Jenny and I uh, have liked to do these little slack lining things which is basically tightrope walking we well especially early before we would pull um a piece of webbing, a piece of nylon in between two trees, and you cinch it up until it's so tight that you, it won't touch the ground, and then you try and walk on it. You try and balance on this thing, right? And, and it's just it's, it's something fun to do and something you know, fun to balance, but you talk about walking the straight and narrow, right? It's, it's, it's straight and it's narrow. And if, when you're trying to walk on any of these things and you see the guys, the tightrope walkers with their little balance bars and the whole nine yards, are they staring at their feet whenever they're on there? Are they looking left or right while they're up there? I mean, to stand on a, on a highway this way and try and balance is impossible. Now, let me, I mean, it's not impossible, but nearly impossible. If you want to walk something straight and there, you want to walk in a straight line, where do you look? You look straight ahead. You look at where you're going. You can't be looking at your feet um, and expect to be balanced on, on, some, on some tether. And it's the same thing in our lives, that we are to be focused Towards heaven, and this idea of recognizing that God is in control and that God has a plan for us 
draws our eyes to where we are going and where God would have us to go. And, I mean, I, I love the concept, though, in the, the verses 1 through 6 to talk about this, this uh, desire and groaning because we want it to be now. We're looking ahead, but we want to be there. <laughs> but we're so focused on the things around us that we just want to be there and, and that we can't actually get there. Um, secondly, the second chunk of verses, 16 through 21, the, what, what's the word you heard most through there? Yeah, reconciliation is what you said. Reconcile, reconcile, reconcile. What does reconcile mean? Come together, restore. I think res- restoration is a, good, is a good concept. I mean, really, the, the whole gospel is about reconciliation. It's about s- restoring something that was broken. Restoring, first of all, a relationship between us and God, and second of all, between us and others. And so the, the Bible is all about reconciling, reconciling. And as we push into the, to the new year and as we ha- make any plans in our lives, it, we always have to be focused on birth, everything being birthed out of reconciliation, out of being reconciled, first of all, with God, and then everything restored in relationships. At, with, at Enlace, we figured out that no, no project, no methodology, Nothing that we can come up with or concoct in our mind or follow A, B, C, D is going to, to, to make a long-term lasting distance, uh, or difference in a community. The only thing that is going to, to make long-term difference in a community is starting with reconciliation, with reconciling, with, with, with restoring of relationships. Um, if there's not restoring of relationships happening, then, then nothing will be able to sustain itself. My dad and I were just listening to a radio show this morning on, on, on the way to breakfast, and they were talking about all these problems in, in Africa. And, and, um, and it was just interesting because the local guy just summed it up, and this African guy from the village just said, well, the only reason what's happening here is that the people are selfish. You know, and isn't that the problem everywhere? <laughs> that that if if we're not about restoring relationships, we we can never have any sort of lasting impact. Um. And thirdly, we talk about recognizing, reconciling, and thirdly is reaching. When we 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 set a goal and we're going after it. When you're looking at a at a slack line, not only when you're walking on a on a tightrope, not only is it um, hard makes it harder to look down or to the side. It also makes it harder to stop, right? And in our lives, we have momentum going. We need to keep taking steps. And if we're not taking steps, sooner or later you're going to fall, you know? And um, it's the same thing with, with having a purpose and going after a goal. Um, we, we need to be at the business of, of going after these goals that, that, are, that are set forth for us. So, the idea of recognizing that God is in control, reconciling in relationships, and reaching after the goals that are, that are set in front of us. And um, in order to, to kind of bring this into to, to some sort of practicality of, so how do we do this in our personal lives? We have these personal New Year's resolutions that, that we may or may not have set. Um, at Enlace, um, in 2005 was the, the first time we went through a strategic planning process. And I thought it was absolutely phenomenal to, to have these big goals and dreams of working, going from six churches to working with 50 churches. But, but how do you get there? 
you know, and you can set the big goals and the big visions, and we have all these resolutions and these ideas that we want to do with our lives, but if we don't actually set out a plan, um, it's about impossible to, to get there. Just to say, I'm going to go climb that mountain. Well, it's nice to think that it would be cool to be at the top of that mountain, but there's a route. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of things that you need to do to get there, and you can't just be, you know, beam me up, Scotty. <laughs> and get to the top of the mountain. We have to take steps. And the same way that we climb a 3,000-foot face of rock is the same way you climb an 8-foot ladder, step by step by step. And um, I, I was talking with my dad about this uh, personal planning process that I went through a few years ago that was extremely helpful for me. And I wanted to just uh, pass this information on to you. And we actually have some packets at the back if you would, if you would like these. I would highly recommend it if you've never done any kind of a, a personal planning um, process. And especially uh, um, based in, in Christian values of, of that it's all based in this recognizing God, first of all, and, and all about reconciling relationships and then reaching goals. When it's all based in, in what God has planned for us biblically, it makes a, a world of difference as opposed to whenever we're just about trying to promote ourselves and, and gain more wealth, basically, or, or do better just for ourselves. But um, a quick overview of what these are. Um, there's five different uh, pieces of information here, actually. And the first one is on values and convictions. And it's an exercise that, that's extremely valuable to go through, and there's actually a list of, of uh, 30 or 40 different words that you can, you can kind of prayerfully pick through of what, what are truly your values and convictions. Um, I would encourage you to go through that. Go ahead to the next one. And then there's another uh, exercise called Your Story Matters, where you can literally go through your, your own personal story in order to kind of get at the idea of, of what your personality is like, your relationships that you've been through, your origin and formation, and um, basically just get a, a, what they, you know, an acronym for your profile. Um, and then next is the personal mission statement, which just as an organization needs kind of a mission, very, very, it's not very often that we as individuals set out an actual mission statement. What it is, that, what the passion that God has placed within you, and, um, and what is it that, that God has called you to. And I, I think one of my favorite quotes on this is that where your greatest passion, your vocation and your mission in life is where your greatest passion meets one of the world's greatest needs. So it's kind of the idea of, of your passions meeting the world's needs. Um, and this exercise can help you go through that, through the personal mission statement. Um, and then the next one is these life planning worksheets, which even if you don't do the, the, the first two, which actually on, on here I have, the, on the front page of this, we have kind of an overview of all of them, and you can kind of pick and choose which things you, you would potentially want to go through. But even if you don't do the, the, the first two exercises, which can be um, a little bit lengthier, I would highly recommend identifying areas in your life. And these are kind of just the classic key areas in, in, in everyone's life. Identifying areas in your life that you, want, that you want to create a vision for, that you want to change, that you want to have a resolution for, to have changed in this year. And set out a small vision statement for it that has, has some kind of numerical change even. Or, or, and, and then that gets translated into, go to the next one. 
into these life plan worksheets where you actually will lay out just four or five action plans of steps that you can do in each of these areas. So they call them life accounts in here, but so for life account number one, you know, it could be faith. And you lay out a a vision statement for where you want your life to be this year in faith, how you want to grow in Christ, and how you're going to be able to do that. Those action plan might be, you know, uh, weekly prayer, daily devotional, go to um, this, this retreat or that retreat or have three or four days. But make an actual plan to, to make that happen in your life this year. Um, and the next one, then it, and then the most important part for me is that it actually gets translated into, what do I do tomorrow? <laughs> We can have all these resolutions and plans, and you know, and, and this is what you realize in an organization as well. It's like you can have these dreams of we're going to work with 50 churches, and then we're going to work with 100. And but then, what does that mean for me? What am, what does that mean for me tomorrow? <laughs> what do I need to do to get there? And where are the increments that I you know how, how, that I can measure whether or not I'm getting there? And so. I mean, without going into to too much detail, I, I'm trying to cram all this in. I'm sorry I'm running through everything. But I wanted you to at least, at least know that this tool is available for you as well. And I would highly, highly recommend you, even if you don't go through all of the exercises, which if you can carve out a few hours this week or the, over the next two or three weeks to do it, I would highly recommend doing it. And if not, at least identify those areas where you have resolution or where you feel that God has been, been tugging at your heart to change whether, whatever area that might be in your life of, of, of these different life, life accounts, and sit down and, and draw out a plan for what that will look like this year and how you can get there. And, and, and prayerfully ask God to help you get there. You know? And always understanding that God, recognizing that God is in control of it all, and it always being about reconciling yourself daily to Him and asking Him to help you to be reconciled to those around you. And then reaching after these goals daily, every day, reaching after it, reaching after it, reaching after it. The smallest steps. There's a world of difference between just roaming through the woods and hoping you might find the top of the mountain someday. There's a world of difference between that and, and actually setting out on a path, even though it might be a rough path and a hard path. It's a world of difference between floating out at sea, letting the winds push you around wherever they would be <laughs> and throwing up the sails and heading towards a direction. And I love the sailing analogy because I don't know if any, many of you know about how sailing works, but there's this thing called tacking in sailing where when the wind's blowing behind you, if it's blowing straight behind you and you just threw up your sails, you, you have to go wherever the wind flows, blows you. But in tacking in the sailboat is you actually put it, you go it, it, at an angle with the wind so that you can get leverage and go where you will need to go. In this case in life, where God would have you go. The winds of life can push all around you, but if you have your sails up in the right way and you're steering in the right direction, you can use the winds and all the challenges of life to push you in the right direction. And tacking is when you actually have to turn, you know, because if I keep going that way forever, I want to go over there. But in order for me to go over there and the, the wind's blowing this way or that way, I have to make turns back and forth and back and forth. And so, so often in life, we have these big turns. I know for us, you know, Jenny and I, when we thought we were going this way in life, and Jenny gets cancer. <laughs> and you're like, was I not doing your will, God? What's going on? You know, we had a plan. I thought we agreed on this. I did the worksheet. I had my mission and vision all laid out in my action plans. You're screwing it up. <laughs> no, it's just attack. <laughs> you 
time to let the sails down, readjust, see where the winds are coming, throw them back up and go. It doesn't look exactly like I thought it would, but it's greater things are ahead. And let's go. Let's keep going, you know, so without all the analogies. But, but I encourage you to, 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 to consider um, doing these things and, and, and knowing that there are so many tools available. Um, and so too often we just allow life, we allow the momentum of life to just roll over us and push us around. <laughs> Instead of using the tools and the things that we have right in the palms of our hands, right where we are now, to be able to make a difference um, in the world. Go ahead and, and we'll move on. I just want to do a quick run through this. Take me about 10 minutes or so. Huh? Got lots of time? Okay. But I wanted to give you an overview of things that have been going on in terms of momentum in El Salvador. And, and, and here I wanted to include the, the mission and vision um, just because it is so key to have a mission and vision, both as an organization um, as, and as an individual, to understand who you are. Um, this, this defines who we are as an organization. So, you know, if, if, it's, if all of a sudden it, um, some business comes in and tells us that we could make a bunch of money and help all these people if we start, you know, a new clothing factory or something, well, does, we might be able to make millions on it. But does that fit within our vision? I mean, does that fit within our mission of equipping local churches to transform communities? Not probably, you know. It may be, you know, something. But to always know, to have the vision, and, I mean, the mission set aside, and the vision on the next one, it's very important then to have, and as we talked about with these life account things, to have actual figures, to have actual vision of how do we get there, how do we accomplish what the mission has been laid out for us, and, and actually put targets with it. And well, yeah, and, and here was our, our strategic goals from uh, for for the next five years. Which the concept of now, you know, impacting over two hundred and fifty thousand people and raising four point five million dollars and all these different things just seem absurd to me <laughs> sometimes. But yet, when we when you lay it out and realize what has happened in the past and and see that step by step that God can and will provide, you can actually begin to plan off these things and, and, and see them happening in front of you. Um, and so I wanted to give you a quick overview of what's going on already with 100 churches, 100 churches uh, with 250,000 people. Keep going. And because over the past years, we, from 2006, just working with a handful of churches, and it keeps scrolling through them, we'll have all these churches popping up. But it's just been amazing to see how um, churches have just come on board one after another, and, and, and the replication that is happening in, in the different communities has, has been absolutely outstanding. I mean, I, I, I can't fathom, but back in 2002, it was just a couple of churches, and now there's just... Um, the entire country is is coming on board with this thing. We're finishing 2011 with 52 different churches, with eight new churches this year. Let me keep going through, because I want you to see one testimony. Oh well, yeah, these are our church coaches. We've actually hired. Four new church coaches this year, which are essential to our, our process of the, the church coaches are actually the the uh, people who and just hold it right there a second the people who actually walk alongside with the local churches on a on a daily basis or on a weekly basis they're out there uh, continually 
And um, in the region of Santa Ana, there's just been amazing change happening. We've had uh, more than a dozen churches uh, come on over the past couple years, um, and and uh, we've developed a church partnership program where we've had U.S. churches that have been in, interested in kind of accompanying and sponsoring a region of churches in El Salvador. And Santa Ana has been the, been the area where that has uh, been the biggest blessing we've seen. We've actually connected with a few large churches here in the U.S. that have supported this. And I want you to see a quick profile video of the region of uh, Santa Ana, of one of the new churches that just came on this year. Licuatepeque is one of El Salvador's natural wonders. It is located in Santa Ana, about 30 miles from the capital of San Salvador. It was formed from a volcanic explosion that left an enormous crater about a mile deep with a 12-mile radius, which collected rain and groundwater to eventually form a lake. There, in the middle of the natural beauty, seven men began meeting under a pepeto tree and founded the Cristo Vive Church. We used to come to this place and have church services. This is a new neighborhood. We never thought about founding a church here. We are sure that it was from God that a church was built here. Since the church was founded, Mauricio and the church leaders have worked to form and foster solid relationships with their community, growing closer to the community association, the mayor's office, the Red Cross, the public school, and especially the Coatepeque Lake Tourism Committee. The church's young leadership has a clear vision to transform their community. They have implemented projects such as literacy training, home repairs, latrine construction, improved stoves, and home gardens. They have also made great advances in the negotiation for the development of a water project and the restoration of the lake's main access road. The truth is something really exciting, to know that when Christ calls us, He invites us to serve, and that He doesn't limit us to work inside the four walls of the church. A church must work to get the attention of the people, and those who in the community don't recognize the internal work. If we want to reach the people, we must do it by serving them. The ministry of the NASA has been a tremendous blessing that helped us to meet people. Felix and Marvin are honorary members of the church. As leaders, we're conscious of the people's needs, principally the need for Christ. But the people not only want to see Christ in the words, but through the actions of our leadership in our Christianity. In October 2010, after invitations from Pastor Rafael Gonzalez of the Nueva Jerusalem Church in Comacayo, and informal conversations with Felix Orellana, Enlace Church Coach, Pastor Mauricio Reyes and his leaders began their relationship with Enlace. First of all, the closeness that we have had is due to the new relationships. With our relationships, we can't do much. The training helps us better serve God through serving the community, to avoid making mistakes, and has also motivated us. I left work to serve God 24-7. These four years of ministry have been the best of my life, because no one pays like God. There is no better boss or captain. I work directly with him. He is my coach, my guide, and he pays me. We work directly with the very boss. In this way, it's a blessing. 
I feel happy to see converted souls and restore families. There is no greater reward than to see lives transformed through Jesus Christ. I wanted to share one you know, little testimony from, from one of the newer churches that have come on, and, and uh, I just had a chance to, to, to meet with him and be with him at the uh, last pastor's retreat at the beginning of the month uh, this year in December. And um, one of the main things that, that the conversations that came up among many of the pastors was the way that they are uh, dealing with gangs. Um, as many of you probably know, El Salvador is a very dangerous country in that regard, and this year actually ended up being the highest murder rate um, in, in, in history for El Salvador. They just closed out the numbers on that and with over uh, 15 murders a day for 6 million people. Um, so it's, it's a very violent area, but these churches... Um, are actually uh, beginning to see the gang members as as people that that need blessing, <laughs> not to just be um, you know evacuated out of their community or, or kicked out of their community. And it's it's interesting the conversation that happened among the pastors. And Mauricio was one of the ones that was most vocal about the fact of how these gang members, once they come to Christ. Um, they are the most powerful apostles, as he called it, you know, just as Paul was the most powerful apostle um, in the New Testament. They're the most powerful apostles that we can have in our church and our community, and he had experience of that recently. Um, and so he was very vocal about that, and there's multiple churches that are, that are taking that on. But, they, he, but he says that the only way that they will know that we're different than anybody else is showing them love. And so they've been actually incorporating gang members in all of these different projects um, that they've been doing. And, and uh, they actually had nine gang leaders that ran in a whole region, a whole neighborhood of the, country, of the community, and no one could get in or out of this community without them knowing. They went straight in and asked these gang members if they wanted to start a home garden. <laughs> the church, church leaders did. Said, we'll train you. And, you can, and sure enough, they did. They're coming to church now. And they've totally left their violent lifestyle. They've opened it up. They've just changed it all. I mean, it's just crazy, the, the stuff that's happening. But anyhow, these are the types of projects. There's 72, and go ahead to the next one, 72 projects benefiting almost 50,000 people. This year, the home garden projects have taken off. Actually, that guy right there on the left is a gang member <laughs> who benefited from the, uh, from the home garden project in El Espino and one of the um, my, our home church in Columbia, Missouri, is now partnering with the region of El Salvador, region in El Salvador, and been taking two trips a year down. And they um, were working with in the, in that community. The home garden projects have just taken off. Um, Thirty-seven block homes built this year. Um, we're on target for next year to actually build about 150 um, new homes. Um, go ahead. Yeah, that's right, because it was 37 uh, block and 31 adobe. In different each community, they actually identify what. Um, type of home style that they would would prefer that the church and community actually get together and um, identify the families that are in most need they actually do a a, a completely open and transparent um, census um, of all the community and actually have a numerical system to identify what families are in, in most need and they present that in front of the whole community the community association meetings and whatnot and they also identify which which home design um, that they will um, Decide the latrines, um, sanitation facilities. As I've you know told you, told you all before. I mean, you know, it's something like sixty percent of the families in rural areas don't have access to to any sort of sanitation facilities, um, and so the latrines are always a great project, especially for the beginning churches that are just starting, because 
They can, it's an easy-to-manage, low-income project that they're able to manage on their own. Um, yeah, tons of health projects. We, we're supporting three different clinics and um, keep going, and uh, at least three different water, water um, projects. This year was, in October, was, um, I don't know if you all heard about the rains that we had, but they were intense. I mean, we had over four feet of rain, <laughs> In ten, four feet. <laughs> that's that's a lot of rain in in ten days, and um, you, you know, ten bridges, half the, half the municipalities were affected. Thirty five thousand in shelters. Go ahead, next. But it was amazing to see that the way that the churches uh, responded to it, and and that's more the the most amazing thing for me to see is the way that the churches continued to respond. And once they are trained and understand that it is part of their mission and vision of who they are as a church body um, is to, to, to serve and help those around them, they're an unstoppable force. I mean, they, they are, are doing amazing things, and they're the ones. In, in Santa Ana, which was the, on the, uh, the previous slide, they actually, um, the church members were the first ones to go and pull out all, uncover uh, three different homes where, where families had just been you know, covered by a mudslide, and they were able to save three different families. Um, they were like the first responders, and they, could, they had actually trained themselves on these different disaster relief things. Because in a country that gets a lot of earthquakes and a lot of tropical storms and whatnot, that's one of the areas that they're beginning to train themselves on as a church. And so on the El Salvador side, things are just going amazing. And also on the, the funding side, in terms of the U.S., we've seen uh, phenomenal things happen, uh, especially through our church partnership program. You can get, go through where we've, we have churches come and explore on vision trips. Um, U.S. churches come down and, and, and explore different churches that they would want to partner with. And they invest in, in our church partnership program. Um, as well as these different initiatives that go on. Um, they actually usually start at about $10,000 a year um, commitment. These churches, we have, but we have uh, three different churches that have gone up to um, as much as $300,000 a year they've supported in whole regions of the country. So it's just amazing. I mean, it's like one of those things, I mean, we don't even know where these, where these connections come from. God has just been, been doing phenomenal things in that regard. And they actually will send down mission teams as part of their their. Um, uh, their partnership, which is actually an amazing thing to see because the, the mission teams serve as, as a way f- to, of, encouraged, of encouragement for the local church to continue in on what they're doing. And then we help them. This was actually at the Willow Creek, um, their lobby. This is Willow Creek um, Community Church, this uh, mega church in, near Chicago that has uh, begun to partner with us over the past years. And they actually built, um, go ahead back a second, they built on the right side a retaining wall made out of tires in the church lobby, which I thought was kind of cool because <laughs> that's one of the projects they were supporting in El Salvador. Many of these, you know, with all these mudslides and everything, um, many of these communities have been building retaining walls um, to, to prevent mudslides. And actually in the two of the communities where we first started where there were mudslides all the time, where they, they built in one of the communities, for instance, the, it, Pastor Miguel's community, they built over a dozen of these retaining walls. In October with this last rains that they had, they had no landslides whatsoever. All of their retaining walls held. Um, and these are all just minimal, minimal investment. But I love it that, that they built a, a retaining wall in their you know, multi-million dollar facility in Chicago as part of their engaging their church in the U.S. to, to continue supporting what's going on in El Salvador. And these, we are up to 14 different uh, church partners this year. So it's just a matter of kind of celebrating that what God's doing through all of that. So go ahead. And yeah, and 
I just wanted to, I know, kind of went a little bit long, and I tried to cram in a little bit too more, too much. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. There, I fit it in, right? Isn't Brad? I fit it in. So. Um, I, got, I, I was able to apologize as well then, right? But uh, I don't know if anyone has any, any questions or comments. Um, I mean, I just, I just wanted to be able to present a little bit of what we've been doing. Um, and more than anything, thank you all for, for your prayers and for your support. Um, I know so many of you, all of you have been, you know, heard about our, 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 our personal difficulties over the past few years and been praying for us and have been support for us for many, many years. And we're so, so thankful. You know, Jenny has finished her cancer treatments, uh, this year in 2011. So there is much to celebrate and, uh, and she's, extremely healthy and we're we're just so thankful (laughs) for the life that that God has given us Um, and we're really thankful for you you all as well and and we really appreciate all that you've done for us and um, but do you have any questions or or comments about El Salvador or about this uh, personal planning everybody going to spend 12 hours this week personal planning the yeah the people that receive these homes are i mean i've been in many of these homes and they're in deplorable um conditions um uh i mean to give you one example this lady named olga who um lived in an absolute basically lived in plastic a plastic house i mean literally out of black plastic and whatever tarps and what's not that she could find in sticks with um and she was a widow with eight kids, um, and some of her older daughters had, had already had kids, um, and, you know, she has no form of income uh, except for washing clothes in the river whenever she can to get, you know, I mean, literally living on cents a day um, and trying to get by. She's, you know, somebody like her, and she has, you know, no access to running water. She lives in the mountains, mountains. I mean, it's a three, three-and-a-half-hour walk to the nearest place. I mean, people like that are, those are the types of conditions that most of these people are living in whenever they, they're house recipients, you know, because there's, you know, yeah. So those, those are the ones that, that are obviously get to the top of the list, and, and what ends up happening is they, they're able to identify you know, in almost any of these community, over 100 people or 100 families um, that are in such conditions, and they can't have houses for all of them, and so they have to be able to kind of identify the worst-case scenarios, and they do that as, as in, a, in as transparent of a way as possible. But certainly, actually, the, the, the church members, it's very rare that a church member will actually get a house. It's much more common for the church members to put themselves farther down the list and farther down the list because oftentimes inside of the church they're able to take care of them they take care of themselves a little bit more than for the outside and this whole vision is to help those who are outside of the church to show them the love of God you know that they would would potentially come in Bob some of the communities they've actually identified um, uh, Adobe as what they would prefer in other communities they wanted block. Um, houses is what they would prefer. The adobe itself is actually, you know, it's just a compressed dirt. Um, but that, that the, the, the typical way of doing adobe houses was to actually build all walls with it, and they were roof-supporting walls. So on these mud walls, they would put huge beams, and then the terracotta tile on top of it, literally roofs that would weigh tons, literally tons, on dirt walls <laughs> in, in earthquake-prone areas. Um, 
Um, but the way that we do the adobe is actually the, the adobe walls, and then they actually have a, a, a freestanding metal structure on the outside. So basically a C-channel post on the outside, and then a freestanding roof structure. But they prefer the adobe because it's much cooler. Um, uh, as you know, you see like in Arizona and different places where it's really hot. They, so some of them identify the adobe as, as what they would prefer. Um, and there's in other areas, actually Olga, that one lady I was mentioning that lives way, way up in the mountains, they've actually used a corrugated um, steel version for them because of the transportation is so hard to get block or any other materials up to them. So they use a foundation of, of uh, cinder block and then they actually build kind of like a corrugated steel on the outside that's like a double layer, so it's not extremely hot in the in the uh, in the in the sun. But so there's a few different designs that they identify. But our engineer, and lastly, kind of has the church and community staff that help with the churches, um, help with all the church coaching, and we have another half of our staff are engineers, doctors, lawyers, and that actually help people with the designing of these different projects. We have an engineer on staff that helps with the design, and we hire um, skilled labor to oversee the construction of them as well. And then the church puts in all the manual labor for the unskilled labor for the projects. Yeah, typically people um, are in rural areas are um, small-scale farmers that grow corn and bean, you know, sustenance farmers. Corn and bean, on, on when they say small-scale in El Salvador, it's one to two acres um, <laughs> on oftentimes very steep hillsides that they farm by hand, you know, just with machete and, and, and stick and whatnot. Um, about 70% of the bean crop was lost in October um, with this rain. So you can imagine, you know, people that live on on these corn and beans like that, when they get a big storm like this, they lose so much of it. And that's one of the reasons why these home garden projects have been so successful is because they're actually able to 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 grow, um, you know, diversify their crops. Um, and when they get in on the on this project, we actually have an agronomist that visits them weekly um, for the first year visits each of these families weekly or they, they come together in each community and trains them on, on their gardens and walks them through the whole, whole gardening process. And so those gardens um, are able to provide sustenance, but also then um, they identify crops that they can sell locally in the market. And they, um, like, for instance, many of these communities, many of these uh, households will start with just a few rows of plants. And I've met now at least a dozen different people that now have you know, hundreds of tomato plants and pepper plants, radishes. They start, you know, experimenting with all their stuff. And then they put in tilapia ponds. But the new cash crop in El Salvador has been tilapia. And they put in these little tilapia ponds and grow their own tilapia that they can sell for um, $2 a pound um, in the market. And so, and they can, you know, eat the fish. And then they go do chicken and poultry, which is fairly common, but they're able to even increase that as well. So the home gardens have been extremely successful for, for helping with what they eat. Because in, in the rural areas, it's something like 60 or 70% of the children are malnourished. And, you know, so it's a, it's a rough situation overall what they, what they typically eat. Well, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to hear about it. It's, um, it's, it's a joy for me to be able to continue to work, work with, with these churches and these pastors. Um, they're definitely an inspiration. Um, and, and I hope as we go into 2012, I, I, you know, it's a, like a, my dad was saying, it could be a three-day seminar to go through each of these uh, personal planning things. Um, but I would encourage you, and it, we have a few copies there in the back, um, and we can just literally run downstairs and make run off uh, more copies of, of, of any of these. And, you know, it's, it's tis the season. 
for resolutions and to allow um, God to guide us. And it's, it's a good thing. God, God gives, gives us these groanings and desires um, for, for that which he has for our lives, for, for the dreams of heaven to be realized now. So thank you. So I, I ask him to um, you know, give those three, what are they again, David, three? Recognize, reconcile, Recognize, reconcile, and reach, and um, how that that works, how that has worked in a small corporation, small missions program, and has taken off from five or six churches now to over 50 with plans of going to 250. And, um, you know, their budget 10 years ago was $200,000, and now this year it was was three million. So it's been one of those things that God has enabled them to, through this planning, being, and again, you, we have momentum. Everyone is in motion. <laughs> Every one of us are in motion. It's just a matter of where it's going to guide us. Is it forward or backward? Is it, you know, we're going to go somewhere, and we're going to do something. And, and the challenge is, what is it that we're going to do? And is it going to make a difference in our life and the lives of the people that we serve. And, and the church is about reaching the community. And, and one other thing that David said, and then we're, we're going to receive an offering uh, uh, for, for, uh, for David uh, and for, uh, for the mission in, 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 uh, in Lasse, but it's for David for his missions. One of the things that, you know, his um, health care, since Jenny, they were in El Salvador, and she came back and had cancer and had to go through all that, her health insurance is over $18,000 a year. And plus then with the kids, they, their initial bill for health insurance is over $20,000 just to start with health insurance. Without any other expense, their initial expense is over $20,000, $22,000 for health insurance. Um, and uh, so that's, you know, that's a, that's a major budget just to start off with. And, um, but one of the things that we, we look at with... Um, the church in the rural community was always seen as a leech because here you are in a very poor community and you have a pastor and a congregation and what, is a, what does a pastor do? He receives an offering. So therefore, he's pulling money from the resources in the community. But in reality, the church is about meeting needs in the community. And now with housing and all these, these water projects and health care, it is the church now recognizing what the needs are of the community, then going out in the community and touching those individuals and creating places where they can uh, meet housing and the church becomes a place of putting things into the community rather than taking them away. Plus then giving them the message of Jesus Christ and of hope in this life and the life to come.